It's Monday, April the 13th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, OPEC Plus deal approved and Boris Johnson discharged. First, the world in brief. OPEC and its allies approved a deal that would slash oil production by nearly 10 million barrels a day. That is around a tenth of all global supply, or twice the cuts made in response to the global financial crisis of 2007 to 2009. The price of oil has fallen from more than $60 a barrel to as low as $20 as demand vanished with the spread of COVID-19. The draft deal, urged by America, won the approval of Russia and Saudi Arabia, though Mexico calls last-minute jitters by threatening to veto it. The number of deaths in British hospitals of people with COVID-19 passed 10,000. Boris Johnson, the world's most senior political leader to catch the disease, was discharged from St Thomas's Hospital in London, where he had spent three nights in intensive care. The Prime Minister said in a video message that it could have gone either way for him. He will not immediately return to work on doctor's orders. The Israeli government closed off ultra-Orthodox neighbourhoods in Jerusalem to stem the spread of COVID-19. Israel has so far reported 11,145 confirmed cases of the disease and 105 deaths. The ultra-Orthodox Jewish community has become the centre of the country's outbreak. Meanwhile, talks to establish a new governing coalition were guillotined, making another election in the summer likely. Taiwan's government protested that a Chinese naval fleet, led by China's first aircraft carrier, the Liaoning, passed the island's eastern and southern coasts. China claims Taiwan as part of its territories. The Liaoning is the only aircraft carrier active in the region, after sailors on two American vessels were stricken by COVID-19. Two people died of Ebola in the Democratic Republic of Congo, dashing hopes that the country would be able to declare itself free of the disease by Easter Sunday. At least 2,276 people have died in an outbreak that began 20 months ago, see main stories. The poor and badly ruled country is also fighting the spread of COVID-19. In an Easter message read to a mostly empty St. Peter's Basilica, Pope Francis called for global solidarity to fight the spread of COVID-19. The Vatican was forced to stream its services during Holy Week online for the first time in an effort to prevent spreading infections within its enclave and to roam outside. The Mail on Sunday, a British newspaper, reported that Julian Assange fathered two children while holed up at the Ecuadorian embassy in London as he avoided extradition to Sweden. The mother is Stella Morris, a South African lawyer who was representing him. Mr Assange is now jailed in Britain, fighting extradition to America on computer hacking and espionage charges. And editor's note. The Economist is making some of its most important coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic freely available to readers of The Economist today, our daily newsletter. For details, visit our hub at www.economist.com forward slash coronavirus. Ground Zero. COVID-19 in New York. New York City has been burying its poor and the unclaimed on Hart Island since 1869. Chilling film footage has been streamed around the world of mass graves for victims of COVID-19 being interred there temporarily. Despite the erection of temporary morgues and the use of refrigerated lorries, the city is running out of space to store the dead. The death toll continues to rise. Saturday was the sixth day on which more than 700 people died in the state. At least 9,385 New Yorkers have so far died of the disease. But there are signs of hope. Over the weekend, Andrew Cuomo, New York's governor, said that the outbreak may be plateauing. The daily number of admissions to hospitals is stabilising. A statewide stay-at-home order remains in effect until April 29th. 
but few expect the city that never sleeps will be ready to wake that soon. Here we go again. Argentina's decision on default. This week, President Alberto Fernandez will decide whether to put a final offer on the table to foreign creditors about Argentina's enormous debts. Alternatively, he could seek postponement of negotiations because of the spread of COVID-19. Mr Fernandez has extended the country's lockdown to April 26th, but now Argentina faces another default, a replay of history he once promised would never happen under his presidency. In a decree on April 5th, the government said that it would suspend payments on foreign currency secretaries issued in the domestic market for the rest of the year as it prioritised the fight against COVID-19. Credit agencies immediately downgraded Argentina to selective default. The economy minister, Martin Guzman, plans to offer international creditors less than 50 cents on the dollar on $83 billion worth of debt, but the government is also considering using a force majeure clause, citing the pandemic to postpone any negotiations and so prevent default this month. Fourth time unlucky, Israel's deadlocked politics. Over the past six weeks, the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his main rival Benny Gantz have seemed to be on the brink of finally forming a new government. They were on the verge of signing a coalition agreement, but talks got bogged down. The deal, to which both sides had agreed in principle, came undone due to a lack of assurances that Mr Netanyahu, who is facing criminal charges, would not interfere in the meantime with the country's legal and judicial systems. Yesterday, President Reuven Rivlin called time on the farce and announced that he would neither extend Mr Gantz's mandate to form a government, nor hand it to Mr Netanyahu. If they do not find a way out of the impasse within three weeks, Israelis will be going to the polls again this summer for a fourth time in less than 18 months. How many? North Macedonia's delayed census. Today, Macedonians should have woken up to the results of their election, but the COVID-19 pandemic has postponed the poll. Worse, the snap vote had already caused the postponement of North Macedonia's desperately needed census. The most recent was completed in 2002. Adding and subtracting births and deaths since then leaves the country with an official population of 2.07 million. But Apostle Simovsky, director of the country's statistical office, says that number is incorrect. He is afraid that the true figure is no more than 1.5 million, because no one knows how many have immigrated since 2002. If that were true, and many think he is too pessimistic, then North Macedonia would have lost a quarter of its population since independence in 1991. Such a decline would be catastrophic. One may hope, at least, that all will be revealed when the census is finally held in a year. Until then, all of the country's per head of population statistics remain plain wrong. Infected. Ebola returns to the DRC. In early March, a patient who had recovered from Ebola was released from a treatment centre in Benin, eastern Congo. Health workers in green scrubs cheered, danced and banged buckets. Sadly, their celebrations were premature. Just two days before Congo was due to be declared Ebola-free on Easter Sunday, a man's dead body tested positive for the disease. Health officials are now tracing more than 100 of his contacts but do not understand how the disease reached him. He had had no contact with anyone known to be suffering from Ebola. The outbreak, which began 20 months ago, has killed at least 2,276 people. This leaves Congo grappling with two simultaneous health crises. COVID-19 is also spreading gradually. There are now at least 234 registered cases. But the country's labs are able to process only around 100 tests a day. Many more are likely to have slipped under the radar. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Shane Massini, who was born on this day in 1939. 
No poem or play or song can fully right a wrong, inflicted or endured. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.